welcome back to another episode of Watched Once, Never Again, the podcast where we watch disturbing movies from across genres so you don't have to. I am one of your co-hosts, Mary Beth. And I'm the other co-host, Dax. And this week, we are talking about John Eric Dodal's 27, 27, 2007 <laughs> film, The Poughkeepsie Tapes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. So, Dax. Uh, is that Law and Order? Dun, dun. <laughs> dun, dun, dun is not, but dun, dun episode. Is... What? Uh, this would make a good episode of SVU, for sure. Oh, Poughkeepsie Tapes? Oh, God. Um... Dax, what is the Poughkeepsie tapes about? Girl, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Some fucked up dude. So, uh, from IMDb, this seems incredibly simplistic, but we'll go with it. Um, let's see. In an abandoned house in Poughkeepsie, New York, murder investigators uncover hundreds of tapes showing decades of a serial killer's work. Yeah, that is pretty much what it is. It does not capture how deeply upsetting this movie is. I actually um, forget about the tapes. <laughs> like, every time I watch it. Even though it's called the Poughkeepsie tapes. Yeah, I'm like, I am aware that we're, like, watching v- VHS tapes, or we're s- supposed to be watching VHS tapes, but, mm-hmm. like, I feel like, um, yeah, they're kind of forgotten to me. Yeah. Know. So, okay, before we jump into talking about it, like, in depth, what... In a few sentences, Dax, what do you think makes this film so disturbing? So it's actually funny. Like, I, <laughs> I, when I went to rewatch this movie this time, um, I remembered it completely differently. I've seen it a few times. Like, um, back in my hoodlum days, I found it illegally on the internet. I wouldn't do that. Ooh. Now. I know. I was so <laughs> badass. Um <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, so I watched it, like, a long time ago, and then I watched it, I I think, at least maybe twice after that. So this might have been, this was either my third or fourth time seeing this movie. Okay. And um, for some reason, I remembered it as being more like a psychological horror movie, um, (laughs) where it was, like, more focused on, like, (laughs) uh, like, the interviews, like, the fake interviews and stuff. But um, I was not correct when I no. had that thought. Like, rewatching it this time, I was like, this movie is so, like, depraved <laughs> and disgusting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot of what makes it really disturbing is um, it has to be the tapes, right? Like, you're watching someone get basically t- tortured. There's, there's no other way to say it. Like... Uh, psychologically, physically, it's just, ugh. And I think another part that makes it really disturbing is that he doesn't have, like, a set demographic that he targets. So you you are seeing (laughs) fucked up things towards kids, towards uh, all sorts of people. I don't think, I don't remember seeing any animal stuff. I would have definitely repressed that, though. Yeah, I don't remember any animal stuff either. That's surprising. Um, but I think I agree with that. And I think just to add on to that, it's so disturbing because of how real it feels. Um, Truly. A lot of the films you've talked about already have been like, they're not supernatural. They're not, they're not like horror movies per se in terms of like, there's a creepy supernatural element. But this one I think feels the most disturbing because of how real it could be and how this could happen. Mm. And I know we'll talk more about how this really taps into our true crime obsession and we talked a little bit about this with dear zachary but this is just like on a whole other level of like yeah you think you love serial killers and then you really see what they do and then you are just absolutely like sick of what you're seeing so with that note let's jump on in (laughs) (laughs) must we (laughs) yes so the poughkeepsie tapes is um, a pseudo documentary format so it's found footage but they have like interviews with fbi officers with cops they have fake news footage but then like the core of the film um are these clips from the vhs tapes of the killer filming his basically progression and being a serial killer from like 
killing a little girl, which is really awful, and like killing a couple in a car and watching his evolution as a serial killer. And I was not expecting it to start with the death of a child. I I did vividly remember that. Yes. Okay, and I will pre- I will say <clears throat> I have seen this movie 3 times and I really like it, which sounds fucked up. But again, did you say 300 times? 3. Oh my god, I was so concerned for you. 300. I would be like someone put me away. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. You're writing that book or whatever. So, I'm writing a chapter on the Poughkeepsie tapes, yes, but not 300 times. I would be I would be um I was about to quit, would be very I'll be honest with you. <laughs> but it's Every time I've watched this film, it just, it still gets under my skin, especially at this beginning with the little girl. It is, it, it's bold, it, it's bold in a way that's very uncomfortable. Yeah, um, I, I hate it. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how else to describe how disturbing it is. It, basically, so he pulls up in a car and is like watching this little girl, like play on her front lawn. And... He gets his camera and starts, like, asking her questions on camera. And she is smart and and immediately gets weirded out by him. But I think she's, like, paralyzed with fear. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of just trying to get him to go away by being like, you know, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. And no, I don't want to answer your questions. No, I don't want to look at your And she's in her front lawn. Like, she is in her yard. That somehow makes it even worse. Yes, exactly. Playing with little toys. Just hanging uh, out. I know. And then, uh, uh, he like, did, uh, so I'll, uh, I'll describe it, I guess. Um, if he, you want. Yeah, I guess to give some context. Um, he takes the camera. So everything is from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see the camera, like, bash into her, like, and you hear it, and then you basically hear him running away, and he stuffs her into the back of his car and just drives off. Yep. It, it's so upsetting. Yeah, and the, 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 the worst part is that is only the beginning. I think that's one of the first clips they show of him, and, like, mm-hmm. how he's kind of starting off as a serial killer. And so something I, I was just, I couldn't stop thinking about the last time I watched this was how this so closely mirrors like our true crime obsession with how we want to see what a serial killer does. So I listened to last podcast on the left. I love that podcast. And I'm obviously one of those people that is listening to these episodes about serial killers and their process and their lives. And, you know, people really want to hear those like firsthand accounts. They want to watch the interviews with Ted Bundy. They want to read the books by these killers about these killers. It's like they want to know everything about these cases. And so this film does the thing where it's like, okay, you want to know everything? We're going to show you the tapes of this break that this person made. Because I don't believe there's that. If any, there aren't many serial killers where we have like actual documented evidence. I know that the BTK and a couple other killers, there's photographs that they took, um, but there aren't really any video. And so this is kind of taking that to the extreme of like, oh, by the way, you want to know what the serial killer do- does? Like, well, you're gonna watch it happen, and you're gonna watch it from his perspective. Like, you are. It's like you are the killer yourself. And I think that really pushes this boundary of. It makes us made me think a lot about like how we our relationships with violence and how we want to watch violence and how we want to consume violence. But then when we actually see it, you're like, Oh shit, this is what that violence really means. I wish the movie was more of a commentary on that. I don't think it intends to be. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. But it, it does make a good commentary on that. I think I, I like mm-hmm. how they kind of highlight that um, with the FBI, like trainees where they, they have to watch the tapes um, mm-hmm. or a few of the tapes for class, like during class. And um, the man who's training them, I actually forget his name at the moment. Um, he's basically like, yeah, some of you aren't going to make it through this class. Like you think you are prepared and you're really not. Um, and I, I think that was kind of maybe calling out the audience a little bit. I know, and I was thinking about that because I was like, "Oh man, I could watch this no problem." I'm 
not a problem. That's a that's an that's an overstatement. I could watch this and like, yeah, it was nauseating, but like I watched it multiple times. So what does that say about me and my relationship to violence and my ability to consume violence? But at the same time, it's also me knowing it's fake, you know, and not everyone probably you know, when you Google this movie, people say, is the Poughkeepsie tapes real? It's it's that format of the pseudo documentary that really confuses people. It blurs that line between, is this a real thing that happened? Or is it not? Or, or like, is this just like a fake thing? Which is actually really fascinating because apparently it is loosely based on a Poughkeepsie serial killer. Oh, okay. Did I you didn't realize Did you read that. about this? I did so, not. So, to be like... Very, very loosely, because reading about the serial killer, his name was Kendall Francois. He was killing um, sex workers in Poughkeepsie, New York from 1996 to 1998. It was not any anything like this very like performative, crazy like tape, kind of like what we see in the film. But he strangled eight women. They were all sex workers, or almost all sex workers. And he left the, he kept the bodies in his house. And at one point, Family and friends are saying to him, hey, what is that horrendous smell? And it's rotting women in his attic. But he told them it was decaying raccoons that were stuck in between the wall in the walls. And so <laughs> for like years, he was saying there was decaying raccoon corpses in his walls. But actually, it, were the eight, it was the eight sex workers that were in his attic. Um, so, yeah, that's great. Um, he strangled. He killed them. By strangling them so again this is very loose like i think it's a very loose interpretation of who this guy was but it also injects ideas of like the way that like ted bundy targeted his targeted women and it's an amalgamation of the serial killers that we're so obsessed with taken to this like very mm -hmm. horrific potential um i was trying to look up kendall francois um to see if he was the subject of this documentary that I saw um, he it doesn't look like he was I hate that there's so many so many serial killers who target sex workers and that's why I can't even tell them apart yeah the um, less dead as they call them the people that cops don't really care about I felt like um, when I was watching this I felt more uncomfortable than I ever remember feeling watching it before oh really yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm more sensitive in my old age of, you know, 29. <laughs> but <laughs> but um I found it really challenging. Like on many levels. It starts out with him like um filming a balloon fetish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it never really goes anywhere with that. Why even include that? I guess because it's showing his progression into BDSM. I suppose so. That I think we talked we talked about this before about using kink and BDSM as like a gateway into being a serial killer. And like this woman is just sitting on the balloon and trying to pop it, and she looks very confused. But it's like somehow that balloon popping is supposed to connote depravity. When I really don't. I don't know. I just don't think it's something that should be that shock. Is that shocking or like that upsetting? And like the BDSM that he uses in the rest of the film, again, with BDSM being used as <clears throat> a tool of depravity when it really isn't meant to be that way. Yeah, it really gets on my nerves. Um, yeah. Not just in this movie, but in every movie that. Yeah, I, I just hate the misrepresentation of BDSM it, as, like, a cheap or easy way to be like, ooh, this person is dark, you know? It's like, dude, yeah, it, it, it's not, it doesn't, it's not even that interesting. Like, if you just did it, you'd be like, okay, like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the balloon, like, I just, I can't get over the balloon popping thing. Like, it's just, I mean, yeah, it isn't for everybody but also i feel like there are so many other weird things they could have like not even weird like other things they could have tapped into besides a woman trying to pop a balloon with her ass you know what i mean i like do i wonder if they chose that one because it's such a benign fetish like that's true it's so simplistic in nature and really you're not you're not like um 
causing any type of like harm to anyone. You're not inflicting any pain on anyone. It, yeah. You just simply want to watch this woman crush a balloon for some reason. I mean, and then it do your thing. Kind of illustrates how how dark he goes with it. That's true. I guess that is a good contrast of like something that's rather innocuous, um, right? To depravity doesn't he and he yells at her at one point right when she's trying to pop the balloon i think he yells at her and Mm -hmm. gets upset so that kind of i think because she can't she couldn't pop it or she was like what why do you want me to pop it and he's just like just fucking pop the balloon so that also foreshadows like how he also like his wanting his desire for control over female bodies too it's not just like he was they don't they don't really make it seem like he's paying a sex worker or what is really the situation of how the woman is there, but he's telling her to pop this balloon. And it's like uncomfortable because she seems uncomfortable and he seems very commanding behind the camera of what he wants from her. Yeah. It, I would actually really like to talk about this because it okay. really bothers me. Like, um I think I think that, you know, quote unquote vanilla people right they watch these scenes in movies and they get like the the wrong idea of of what bdsm is and it's it's actually pretty offensive um especially if you're like you know really really into the community um yeah and i i think that a lot of people who are on the outside of BDSM look at it and say, okay, this is what this is. It's a man yelling at a girl to get her to do what he wants for Mm -hmm. like pleasure. And that's not what it is at all. That's actually really against what it is. Yeah. Um, Like first and foremost, like historically the BDSM community served as a safe space for the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Um, so to to always depict it as just a man yelling at a woman that's already like kind of a skewed version of what it actually is and then yeah. on top of that it's like BDSM is all about like enthusiastic consent like yeah. everybody involved in the scene needs to agree to what's going to happen there needs to be a safe word You're not just going to throw on a camera, put this girl on a balloon, and scream at her to pop it when she doesn't know what's going on. She didn't sign up to, like, pop a balloon. And, like, sure, it's just popping a balloon, but at the same time, that's a, you know, he's making it into a sexual situation, and she did not want to participate or didn't know, like, what exactly was going on. That's not BDSM. That is assault. And... Yeah. I think I think that people like watch these movies and kind of get this idea that oh if you're into BDSM you're so like you know mysterious and dark and uh deviant and something must have happened in your childhood to make you into that and it's like sure that's the case for some people um but not for probably the overwhelming majority. And yeah. It, it just really bothers me that this is always used as a way in movies to show how like disturbed someone is when yeah. it's not about that. It's about, you know, different things for all different people. Like, uh, do you know what I mean? No, I 100% I do because again, and the further on in the film also he has one of his victims tied up in rope that kind of looks um fuck i just forgot the word with the rope the art the rope shibari shibari it looks like she's like kind of tied up like she's doing shibari but he's torturing her and shibari is supposed to be like this is is a be Shibari is a beautiful, like, consensual situation. Like, it is all about consent and being comfortable and, you know, 
between photographer or the person participating, like the person tying you up. It's all about consent. And in this one, she's tied up in that similar intricate style, but it's all about hurting her. And and again, it's like these kinks and parts of the BDSM community are used to inflict torture without interrogating how poorly, like how poor, how bad it is to use those those images as images of torture. Like I don't see a lot of horror movies confronting that. Like, hey, these these acts that you think are so depraved are actually like a very like all consent based, like you said, a consent based thing, but it's never interrogated. It's just used as horror. And yeah, it's, I wish there was, I wish in one of these movies, there was someone who was like, you know, a BDSM expert and was like, yeah. So this actually isn't a disturbing thing that they're doing. He's making it disturbing by violating all the sort of tenets of what BDSM is. Yeah. And uh, I, I just wish someone would, at just one time, just say that. I, maybe someone has. And if that isn't a movie, cool. I want to watch it because I haven't seen it. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. one time be like, actually, like, this isn't disturbing at all. And sometimes it's not even sexual at all. Sometimes yeah, people exactly. just want to be tied up for comfort. Right? Like, exactly. You know, like, like, Shibari isn't always about sex. Yeah, or like, you know, spanking isn't always about sex or whatever, no. you know, sometimes it's just comfort. Sometimes whatever, you know, like Yeah, exactly. It's um it's really distressing to me like to yeah. just constantly see that and I I honestly think, you know, part of it is that people misunderstand what exactly BDSM is. I think that a lot of mm-hmm. people do think it is simply like you throw on some leather and you just beat the shit out of someone. And it's like, dude, no, not at all. No, you know? no, no. Yeah. <laughs> if you, if you that try is. that, if you go to like a dungeon or something and you try that, you're probably going to get thrown out and banned for life. Yep. Because, you know, it's, it's supposed to be mm. a place for safety, like, uh, where people can safely express themselves and, you know, be together. And there are, I'm not saying there are not people who violate it. There definitely yeah. are. I mean, I think I talked about that before where it's like, you know, you're on a site like, you know, FetLife or whatever, and it's designed for people into the BDSM community. Uh, community, I don't know why I said it like that. And, <laughs> and there's like guys who just like disregard you know, entire sections of profiles that are like, only contact me for friendship or whatever. And it's like, you should be nowhere near this community if you can't even follow written guidelines, like yep. on a social media platform. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that there are not depraved people who use BDSM as a mask to sort of get away with whatever they want to do. There's yep. absolutely are people who are abusive and use BDSM as a way to um, sort of mask what they're doing and be like, well, now you're kink shaming me. And it's like, no, you are an abusive piece of shit and you deserve like all the worst. But I think that um, a lot of times it's also used as a way to show how disturbing something is or to make a movie seem more disturbing because you know, it can be shocking imagery. I think we talked about yeah. that. It, I maybe privately not like um, recording when we were talking about like Megan is missing. You know where? Yeah. Those photos are. She has the. Um, I I, I want to say, I want to say it's called a spacer, like in her mouth or whatever. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and. I genuinely, I don't think that's about BDSM. I think that's about shocking imagery. And sure, it's a horror movie. I'm expecting shocking imagery. Um, Mm -hmm. But you don't got to be offensive about it. You know, maybe do a little research or or try to differentiate. Like maybe throw in, uh, this is a movie where they have a dismemberment expert. Have you ever heard of such an expert in your life? as a dismemberment expert. Am I like losing my mind? Like I've never heard of that <laughs> except for maybe like insurance companies. I'm sure they have like, um, accidental death and dismemberment experts, but, 
you know what I mean? You could have thrown yeah. in like a BDSM person and been like, okay, well, I just want to give some balance to this opinion and be like, here's what this is. This is why this is wrong. This man is not part of the BDSM community. He would not be embraced by the community. He would be banned for sure because he's a creeper. Yeah. Sorry to get on my little soapbox. It just really is no. Irritating. I know we're but gonna I have think to like important. see a lot more movies like that, like for this podcast. And I just <laughs> it really does annoy me. But I also think it's important to talk about because not a lot of people do talk about it. You know what I mean? Like it's not really a dialogue that happens super often or that I see. And I think talking about it because a lot of the imagery in this movie is based off of that and like you know what are we afraid of and understanding that fear and how it really isn't something that should be scary you know what I (laughs) like um because I mean transitioning a little bit if that's okay like his behavior is his behavior besides like okay besides aside from the murder you don't just see him committing murders and torture you see him stalking people which i think mm-hmm. is one of the scariest parts of his film absolutely when he is stalking cheryl is his like his kind of like perfect victim which i hate to say but like that's kind of how he sees this young woman cheryl mm-hmm. and he films himself following her and then he films himself hiding in her closet while she and her boyfriend are like like she's in the shower and while she's talking to her boyfriend like that is the scariest shit to me that there is someone in your house in your room without you knowing watching you and for presumably hours for hours he's there all night like he and he even walks into the bathroom while she's showering and she thinks it's her boyfriend and then he walks out like i'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that like and these things have probably happened like, mm-hmm. it's not outside of the realm of possibility that this can happen. And that's what also what fucks me up. And that's why serial killers are so terrifying to me. Because, like, I think about this all the time, which is probably part of my <laughs> issues with my mental health. Is, like, if I follow a certain route, like, I have to both, I have obsessive compulsive disorder. And, like, I both have to follow a certain walking route when going home from commuting. But I also get terrified that a serial killer is going to follow that route and kill me. Mm-hmm. So I live in this constant, like... <laughs> I think that too. This constant like tension of like, I can't deviate from my normal routine or I'll die or I have to, or I need to deviate or I'll die. It's, it's like this weird tension in my head, but it like, it makes me so uncomfortable to think that there could be somebody watching me, my every move plotting. And like, it's random. It's usually random. Like he didn't know her. He just picked mm-hmm. her out. And that is just, it gets into my head so much about the, the weirdos, the people out there that have those desires and thankfully I live in an apartment building where that can't happen to me. Hopefully fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, But yeah, I think about that all too often. Um, And that is one of the, that is probably the scariest part to me. The torture is disgusting, but the fact that he invades houses and sits there and watches and is so confident in his movements around the house it just makes me feel nauseous. Yeah. I I do want to talk about um, his, like, the torture and stuff, but I want to Yeah, oh, say, for sure. For part, like, I, part of what you're saying, well, related to what you're saying, his just cold, like, calculation is so... Yes. Um, it, it's so chilling to watch. Like, mm-hmm. throughout the whole movie. I mean, there's a couple scenes that stand out to me. The The biggest scene that stands out to me, I don't know why this one just gets me, is the scene with the little Girl Scouts who come to his house. Oh, my God. Yes. That one is Yeah. Awful. He's like, <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, these little Girl Scouts are going around... Um, and they're trying to sell Girl Scout cookies, of course, with no parent or guardian. I, okay, I will say that I used to do that when I was a Girl Scout. We would go door to door with no parent. It was bad. It was irresponsible. And this is probably a shining example as to why that was an irresponsible thing to let us do. Was that in the 90s or the early 2000s? Uh, early 2000s. Yeah, that was a wild time. For all. It was a wild time. And I guess this movie is filmed in 2007 and takes place in the early 2000s, I want to say. 
Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I digress. That really is with <laughs> me. But um, yeah. So they want to sell Girl Scout cookies and he's being a he's filming it, first of all, um, which is just weird enough. But um, he invites them inside and basically is like asking them questions in such a creepy way. But he's asking what appear to be, like, you know, uh, just just not, like, nothing serious. He's just like, oh, do you guys live around here? But it, he, the way he says it is really creepy. And you can tell the little girls are, like, put off. But he's promised to buy, you know, however many cookies or whatever. And that whole scene, you're just, like, so tense because... You can tell that he's trying to figure out which one of them, if not both of them, he can take or kill or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, thankfully, <laughs> I guess, spoiler alert, uh, they they just leave. Like, he lets them go because um, they hear one of the people in the basement um, that he's he's actually, like, kidnapped. You know, um, yep. but that whole scene is so ugh, it's so chilling to watch because he's just so calculated in his questions yeah. and the way he's asking these little girls, like using the fact that they're like little girls and trusting him against them. Well, and he he did this with the, the other little girl he murdered where it's like, you're not you're being rude. Like, you should be doing this. Like, these uh -huh. are the manners you should be having. Like, you shouldn't be so rude to me. I'm an adult and like, blah, blah, blah. And what I do love about this movie, though, is that it doesn't just show kids as dumb. Not right. dumb, but like just like listening. Like, these kids are like, I know what you're up to, motherfucker. Like, one of the one of the Girl Scouts especially is like, uh-uh, no, no. We will not be going in your basement. Because he says, oh, yeah, it's my dog. Do you want Or like a raccoon. He had something trapped in his. He said, I have an animal trapped in my basement. Do you want to see it? And one of them was like, sure. <laughs> the other little girl was like, no, no. We will not be going into that basement today. But it's so creepy because you expect the worst. You are ready for the literal worst to happen to these children. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't. And I don't, I don't even know if that's good or bad in terms of the film, but it's just like you, he gets so frustrated and you can just tell he gives up. And that is so creepy too. Like you said, the calculation and being like the, the investment isn't worth the payoff almost. Like it's like a, a math equation to him with these little girls. Yeah. And like they just ended up being like lucky and they probably had no idea how lucky they were. It just makes me feel so icky thinking about it. It's just like, and you're watching from his perspective. So you feel like you're the one doing it and it's all the more sickening. Like it would be gross if this was like a regular non-found footage movie where it's like a creepy guy talking to little girls like this, but you're seeing from his perspective and you're just sitting there watching him interrogate these kids. Like, and you know, something bad is going to happen. And it's just like, it's just the whole experience is so nauseating yeah and then and, you know what makes oof. that scene even worse <laughs> is after the little girls leave he pulls the uh the tablecloth off of whatever little coffee table they're like eating they're like drinking lemonade or tea or whatever um and it's not even a table it's a like glass box and one of his quote unquote slaves is in it <gasps> like <laughs> I know. Okay. And so this, okay, that's a very good place for me to, I want to transition to his torque, the torturing, um, mm -hmm. because I have a lot of thoughts about this yes. um, and not in that it's bad torture, but in the idea of performance, because mm -hmm. very important to remember in this movie that everything like them finding the tapes, it is all orchestrated by this man. Like this man is calculated. He wants, he lets them, he like, he knows exactly when he wants them to find him. And by find him, they find the tapes. So every single thing he does, he's in charge of, he is never out of control. He is the one that is controlling the narrative, which is horrifying. So this, so this gets me thinking about how on camera, when he does things like there are po points in when he is torturing people where he's in a mask and like a ruffle and like a costume and a cape. And he is putting on a literal performance for the camera. Like he thinks he is acting and he knows someone's going to watch this 
And that's how I'm perceiving it. Like, oh, someone's going to watch this in the future. So I'm going to put on a performance and, you know, really like push this to a very like a performative limit. And yeah, it could also just be him, you know, fulfilling some kind of fantasy. But in the way that he is obviously plotting to give these tapes up, it feels like a mockery of the police and a mockery of the way that we view true crime and violence. Like he wants it to be performative. And that really stuck with me the last time I watched it. And this kind of the performance of it rather than just killing, but like wanting it to be a show. And that is also really um, concerning. They, and they, they do touch on that. Um, I yeah. Think, right. Like one of the um, FBI yeah. agents says that. Yeah. And um, it, it somehow makes it even grosser. Like it's gross anyway, I guess. But um, just the fact that you can tell he like likes it so much, like he's having fun. Um, it, yeah, it's so upsetting to watch. There's actually a scene that, um, the one scene that really sticks out to me when I think about this movie is one of those scenes. It's the one where he like puts on the like plague mask. He has like two masks on one is a plague mask. And then the other is, I don't know. I think it's just like a white mask and he's like crawling all. Oh, crazy. the one where he's walking on all fours. Mm hmm behind yes it's like a close-up of um one of the girls like that he's keeping in the basement and she's Mm -hmm. like um i think her mouth is taped over and she's like bound and like hanging from something and um in the in the background you can see him like crawling up behind her so this was this was the clip that I saw when I first heard about this movie and it, I couldn't watch it because I thought it was real, um, which we'll probably get into later. But like this was a this was the part of the film when I was younger that terrified me. Like I couldn't handle the uncanny motion of the body, like yeah. the woman panting and crying in the front. Like it is just all like everything about that shot is just absolutely yeah. repulsive. And it's such an extended scene too. It's so long. It goes on. <laughs> yeah, it's really upsetting. <laughs> well, then he but then like on top of that, on his fingers he has these two strange contraptions. It's like a contraption that has like sharp needle-like things on the end and he just slowly 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 pushes it into her neck and then her blood starts coming out of her mouth underneath the tape and it is just like yeah this movie is so graphic it's way more graphic than i remember it's so graphic like it is just i wonder why that is like why did i so i remembered some of the um tape like really well, but I when I think about when I was thinking about this movie before I rewatched it for the podcast, I just kept thinking of like the interviews and stuff. Because it's so think, strange. Well, not really, because I I had a similar reaction because I think it felt like my brain was trying to forget it. Like it feels like <laughs> you're watching a it feels like you're watching a snuff film. It does. It, it feels like that a lot. And so this this film actually had that air of a snuff film around it, though, when it first came out, because it was it was like supposed to be released in 2007, but didn't really get a proper release until quite a while later. And so people were talking about it online, but no one had seen it. And so it had this weird mystical quality around it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted so badly to see it, but only saw those clips. And those clips scared the shit out of me when I was in high school, like late middle school, early high school. And... All I could think about was that clip and it was like, oh, is this real? Is it fake? Like I didn't know because I was I was younger. And so it, it had that kind of Rotten.com feeling to it. Mm. I was never into Rotten.com because I was too much of a scaredy cat. Um, <laughs> I did watch some of those other things like, you know, Two Girls, One Cup, Goat, whatever the hell, like that era of time when oh everyone God. watched gross things on the internet and <laughs> like. They still do, whatever. but now those gross things get TV shows like dr pimple popper guy putting a jar up his asshole anyway um i will fully die if we keep talking about that <laughs> okay i'll stop i'm sorry i'll stop no no it's I fine just, it's fine i was just thinking about that a lot when like the big tapes is that era for me but 
so I conflated them in my head, like those nasty things on the internet that you weren't supposed to see, but you had to seek out, and then you watched mm-hmm. them, and you thought it was like a badge of honor. Be like, I watched that video, um, and then I <laughs> then I watched the movie. I'm like, ew, this is worse than that. <laughs> like, this is a real movie, <laughs> and now I've watched it three times, and it, it has that vibe of like it's almost illegal. Like it feels like it should be illegal. Yeah. So for me, I knew it was fake. Um, I didn't know anything really about it before I saw it. Um, I had just seen it on, you know, one of those lists, like disturbing (laughs) movies that are lost because this was like back in like what, 2010, 2011. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was like when I like first got like, you know, a shitty laptop. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course that's what I was like trying to look up. Um, duh, of course. I mean, welcome to the podcast, (laughs) 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 but, um, yeah. So I like found it somehow like online and, um, I watched it and I was like, okay, I can tell this isn't real, but it is, and I still believe this. Um, it's one of the best like mockumentaries that I've ever seen. Like yes. I think it, it. I think you know. For me, I'm like jaded because ever since you know I was like a child and I saw Blair Witch Project, I was like, well, nothing's real, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't get me, but um, I can see how people would think it's real. Like it's really well done. I think. It's um, really well directed. I think it, the actors are all, you know, for the most part, really good. Like, they're very believable as non actors Mm -hmm. who, like, work, you know, for the FBI or, you know, the town, like, weirdo or whatever, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think it's one of the best mockumentaries. I think the only one that I would probably say seems more realistic to me is probably Lake Mungo. Well, guess what? Who's writing a chapter about both those motherfucking movies? Who? Could it be my very talented co-host? Shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait for that, by the way. I'm so excited. Um, Because I think, I think just coming out from, Gypsy tapes, the like the pseudo documentary format is a fascinating one, and how it can convince you things are real when they're not. It's fucking wild. It's absolutely. I cannot wait to talk about it because I could go on about it for hours, and I won't here. But it is a fascinating format, and these two, like you said, Lake Mungo and the Poughkeepsie tapes, I think really were like two to solidify that form, and haven't really had anyone come close to that. I like a lot of like. There are a couple movies that are similar to them that really come close, but I think like Mungo and the Poughkeepsie tapes are, like you said, two of the most effective ones. Um, yeah, I mean, in fairness, like um, found footage and stuff, that's not really, you know, my thing. I watch them. I do enjoy, uh, oh, I hate the word enjoy. Why did I even say that? <laughs> Ew. Oh my God. Anyway, I do like. Um, mockumentaries more than um found footage stuff okay uh but i don't think that i'm very well versed in them i've seen Mm -hmm. all like the major ones i can't really think of any that are like any type of obscure or whatever Mm -hmm. you know yeah you'll just have to educate me (laughs) I, i do think it's interesting that you brought this up because um while i was like doing my like cursory research before podcasting about this movie. Um, I of course checked Reddit. <laughs> I'm not even a Redditor. Okay. But like, if I want some tea, I'm going to go on Reddit. It's and, true. <laughs> and it's true. It, I think people really do think this movie's real. Like on there. It, it, there are a ton of people who think this movie is real, which yeah. is so fascinating, but continue. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, I found some interesting fan theories about like who the killer is and stuff do you want to talk Wait, about that really tell no talk about it now i want to talk about that right now so do you well before we even get into you know me or the redditors do you have any theories about who the killer might be like is it anyone in the movie for you this is so funny i've never thought about it really i had never thought about it because i was just like 
I was under the impression that it was just like some fucking psychopath. Like outside and person. Outside person. And I think cause I, I guess that was I have no reason. That's just how I perceived it. I didn't even think about it. I just thought it was a, a I guess a outside psychopath. But now that we're going to talk about it, I can anyway, I want to hear your theory. I want to hear them, though, because I had never it had never crossed my mind, which is weird. That's but, so yeah. interesting. I think the first, like, maybe once or twice, like, one or two times that I watched it, um, I didn't really think about it very much. I know the first and time that, I didn't at all. Well, and, like, I think it's, it's to me, it's, like, it's hard to imagine him as human. A human. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to imagine mm. this person as a subject that could be interviewed or, like, a person that's not... I don't know. Because you don't see him in the movie, like, outside of the camera. So I'd always constructed him as just this monster that couldn't have any humanity. Which is, like, I guess part of the thing of serial killers. Like, they don't look, like, you know, not... If Ted yeah. Bundy was... If people think Ted Bundy's hot, weird. Um, <laughs> like he I didn't, will fight someone. I know. He's I, ugly as fuck. He, Unsubscribe, I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't look like a serial killer. But, yeah. Okay, let's talk about it. I want to hear all of the theories and the thoughts. Yeah, when I watched it this time, I was, like, trying to see if it, like, gave us any clues or anything. And I don't think it really does. Um, I had my own suspicions based just solely on one guy's appearance. And I actually do want to talk about that because this movie goes into, like, all different weird territories that you wouldn't expect. Um, And I know we're, like, you know, kind of hyper-focusing on the torture and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, that is what this podcast is for, right? I suppose. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it, it touches on, like, 9-11 and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about that. But, so, one of the things it touches on is um, a cop was framed for yes. the murders. He yes. he framed a shady police officer and um long story short the police officer gets convicted of all the uh, whatever murders I, I can't even remember if it was all of them or you know one of them a kidnapping i can't really remember i don't think it was a kidnapping because he no. gets convicted and sentenced to death mm-hmm. um which he he was executed like shockingly fast. That's like the one thing this movie fucked up is like that would take so long. You know, like people sit on death row for like decades. Forever. Yeah. Forever. And he was like convicted and they killed him like the next day. Um, but his son is like <laughs> so wild looking. Like uh he looks like he to me looks like a man who would say "milady." You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> like he looks yes. like unironically like wears fedoras and like you know tips his hat at women he thinks are cute at the piano bar. You know. Shut the fuck. Up. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, I no, I know exactly what you mean. I'm just dying that you said piano bar. It's so oddly specific. There's a specific guy I'm thinking about that I went to high school with. Um, actually, there's two. But I, maybe I'll tell you this story afterwards. <laughs> it was a time for me. Anyway, <laughs> um, I was not one of them, I will say. They mm-hmm. made my life very annoying. Um, in any event, he looks like one of those. And to me, like that scream serial killer. So, like, I, when I was watching this movie and he showed up this time, I was like, oh, it's him. Like, he, he clearly oh. did it. The guy, and he's the cop's son. Yeah. So, and I oh. thought it was interesting, like, you know, he, like, is very quick to be like, yeah, my dad fucking did it. Like, you know, um, which sounds like something a serial killer would say to me. Hmm. And... What's interesting is when I looked on Reddit, there are a lot of people who agree with that theory. Um, Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I saw another theory. Let me see if I can find it real quick. This this, um, Reddit thread that I'm looking at is like, 
way too long for me to actually read. But something I just saw on it is like, and it's something that I've seen in a lot of stuff online when I was like looking this up. They're like annoyed at how impressed the cops seem to be with this killer. Right. I actually think that's pretty authentic. Like, for instance, did you watch the Night Stalker like thing that just came out on Netflix? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the cops are all like, first of all, they are very self-interested. He, like, the guy is, like, saying that he's standing over, like, a dead body, and then he hears, like, a nickname, like, that he was called when he was a kid, and then he's like, I'm too cool for that nickname. I'm like, buddy, you're standing on a dead body. But, like, <sighs> you like, just me? I don't know. Um, but they're I all that, like... That docu- I had a lot of problems with the documentary, but we don't have to talk about that. I just... It was self-indulgent in a stupid way, but anyway. Yeah, I don't like cops. Anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) It's um, true. (laughs) I think they um, tried. Whatever. I think I I like that story um, only because the... They did all this work, and then the fucking community is the the community. I know. Of fucking I love- Mexican people are the ones who took that motherfucking. De- oh my it's god, that's my- iconic. It's iconic. They're like, y'all can't do shit, so we're just gonna like, like surround yeah. him in a mob and just start like and beating just him, beat him up. And the one, the one guy's like, I'll fucking kill him right now. Oh, I, I love oh, that. So good. They're like, I will, I will fuck him. Yeah, that's my people right there. they're so good they're so good um yeah i love that because the whole thing just focuses on how diligent those two police officers were and like i don't want to you know take away anything like they did a lot of work but i just think it's so funny in the end it's like yeah and then uh, the community just found him and beat the fucking shit out of him and then the cops had to come save his life (laughs) um that's so good. Anyway, actually, sorry. Um, have I mentioned that I get easily distracted? <laughs> I, when I picture this killer, I actually do picture um, Richard Ramirez a lot of the time because oh, he has okay. like no mo and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I digress like heavily. Anyway, they, a lot of people have a problem with how uh, the police in this mockumentary are so impressed by the killer but i actually think that's pretty realistic because when you watch the night stalker like that's what i was saying they seem like so impressed like he's really evading us yeah like they're obsessed (laughs) they get obsessed why are you so obsessed with me girl i wanna know anyway (gasps) um girl i don't know people think like you know the cop is the killer. People think the son is the killer a lot of the time. That's um, interesting. I hadn't even thought about that. Wild. I think the one last, the, the, the one thing that I want to hit on um, is the care. We talked about the character of Cheryl and the mm. way that she is used uh, like a manipula- as a manipulative bark. I don't know if bargaining chip is the right word, but like part of his performance because so Cheryl is abducted and she is kept his as his basically his slave. His, his she he basically he makes her call herself a slave. And she is tortured and beaten and kept in a box for years. And then when they find the tapes, they find a box and inside of that box is Cheryl and she is still alive. And very obviously he left he left her in the box to be found and when you know they interview her and she it's just oh my fucking god when they interview her she yeah. has no she cannot think for herself that is she goes, the most disturbing it, it's scene the most disturbing scene is when she's like i don't know what you want me to say what do you want me to say and it's so she looks so scared she looks so unsure of herself she has been she doesn't have part of her arm she has been they they list through all of the things that she had suffered like physical torture she had suffered but the psychological damage is absolutely um unparalleled in that she can't think for herself and then when she finally says something of her own she says that he still loves her and that she loves him and that after all of those years like that is what that is what he did to her and again unfortunately not that unrealistic like 
people like it's you know it's um fuck what's that called Stockholm Stockholm Stock- syndrome. Think, think, Jesus right? Christ. Yes, it is Stockholm Syndrome. Let me syndrome. look that up. No, it is Stockholm Syndrome. I knew it was an S. But it's like this very, very intense form of Stockholm Syndrome that is so upsetting to the point where she actually kills herself because he hasn't come back for her. And that's the most tragic part of this movie is and I think that was actually a very <laughs> a very fascinating addition on Dodal's part. Because it makes it more than just torturing na- tons of nameless women and killing them, but really puts like the psychological damage into perspective, which I think is what makes this movie so much more than just a disturbing thing about a guy killing women, but a guy who has m- such a ridiculous influence and ability to manipulate. I think that is one of the, s- that makes this movie, I think, different from the rest. Um in my in my opinion. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So yeah, that that kind of sparks like a couple thoughts in my head. The first one is I know I got really off track before and I even sang Mariah Carey. But um you reminded me that the theory that I wanted to talk about was that people think the person making the documentary is the killer because of how Cheryl reacts to his questions. When she's saying, I don't know what you want me to say. Oh, interesting. And Which, that would that would kind of make sense, mm-hmm. though. Like, Absolutely. Especially because he's always been the one in control. And he wants to, like, tell his... He wants to control the narrative and also show everyone the narrative. Like, mm-hmm. very much wants everyone to see it. So it would... It'd oh, be that the makes ultimate me... Way that would be the ultimate... it, like, cinematic. Yes. Oh, no. That's gross. Yeah, and but I don't like, know how well it holds water, but I, I'll buy it. Like I'll buy it. Yeah, I mean, I just told you I blamed it on a man simply for looking like he would wear a fedora. So <laughs> I'm sure that this theory is better than mine. But I that kind of makes sense in terms of like this, like it's both the idea that serial, like most serial killers, when you hear about them, like want to be given credit for what they've done and mm-hmm. taken to the extreme in this movie where the the man, the person behind the camera is so obviously wanting to construct his own narrative and tell his mm-hmm. own story. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Wow. Idea. That's a really... And especially when you consider the police at the end even say, you know, I'll tell you one thing, if this little movie thing you're making actually comes out, that guy's going to be there. But what if he's already there? You know? Fuck. That would just be, you know, chef's kiss. Um, the other thing that what you said made me think of is just like, I think that is part of why I, uh, I really like this movie is because it does touch on the after effects, like what happens after that person is, yeah, um, you know, rescued. Mm-hmm. basically like who will survive and what will be left of them you know yeah because you know it could break a person we like the stories where you know you know like elizabeth smart right like where she gets away and now she's you know empowered and has a book deal and is living her life you know but that isn't the case for a lot of people right like and if you I don't like come out empowered, yeah, like it doesn't, and it doesn't make you less of a person. Also, yeah, Elizabeth Smart probably has a lot of shit going on, not in the public eye. <laughs> like, you shouldn't have yeah. to come out of that empowered. You shouldn't have to be like, I'm a strong woman. Like, that years of psychological, physical, emotional torture is going to break someone's brain. Like, and I think that's yeah. the movie. This movie is showing that process of what you, of how to break someone's brain, and you see her breaking down and that is just, Oh my God, her character, like the, her inclusion as a character is just so important to why this movie is so effective. It's not just, it's more like there's a lot of snuff film elements, but having her as like a connective tissue for a lot of his motivations, it makes it all the more harrowing and like, this could happen. Like this probably has happened. This could be happening right the fuck now. Oh, it's absolutely happened. Like, it's just, 
don't you know, he, it. he didn't only use her as like a sex slave. Like he also used her and manipulated her into like killing other people. And yep. when you, when you do that to a person, you're making them dependent on you. You're instilling fear in them, you know, and you know, I, I would say most people probably wouldn't come out of that empowered. No. And they shouldn't I sure have as, to. I sure as fuck wouldn't. I'd be like, mm-mm. Yeah, I, I, this movie, like, makes you want to, like, reach in there and be like, it's okay to be broken, like, for a while, like, you know, you, you'll yeah. be okay eventually, you know? Maybe. It, it's going to take a really long time, and yeah. a lot of work, like, that's, that's how I felt, I just wanted to be like, you know, it's okay, but that, that probably would have really scared her, She's because like, that... That gives her, like, I mean, besides the fact that I'm just some man reaching into the TV, but it would give her, like, some freedom, and uh, she can't, like, exist with freedom at the moment. You know, yeah. she needs everything, like, detailed for her. Like, she needs yeah. to be reprogrammed again. Exactly. She she needs to be deprogrammed, really. Yeah, that's, yeah, deprogrammed, that's a better way to put it. <laughs> yeah. But, like, how do you even go about undoing years of that? I don't, I, I don't, I mean, I'm saying it's not like, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if that's actually true, but it's just like, it just, that existence sounds so exhausting, which is why yeah. she ends up, unfortunately, committing suicide. Yeah, <sighs> I, I think, I, I don't want to get too personal about it, but I do know people who have been trafficked and are survivors of it and they came mm -hmm. out of it and they were really fucked up um, and they couldn't, you know, function, you know, it's not like they got out of the situation and then were like, fine. Like, you know, just like, like back, like totally back to normal. Like nothing happened. Yeah. Like they, they're like afraid to like, you know, do anything. They're afraid to think for themselves like for a while. And it does take a lot of work, but it is possible, but at the same time, it's like, I like that this movie shows, like, you know, it's not going to work for everybody. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes this movie so disturbing and, and so haunting, is that it really confronts, like, a lot of ugliness like that. And also randomly 9-11. It's, it's like a post, it's a post, it's a two thousand, it's like a... Post 9-11-2000s movie, I feel like everyone had to kind of shoehorn 9-11 in there somehow. Yeah, I, I and it's actually, like, a little funny because the movie is, like, mad that 9-11 happened when it happened. Right? They're because, like, oh, no one's uh, thought about this because of 9-11. And it's like, oh, my God, why? <laughs> yeah, it. I think, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's that um, they realized that the police officer was actually innocent, so he's cleared <laughs> of all his charges at like post-mortem because they had already executed him, but people still believe he was the killer because yes. 9-11 happened and took over like the front page or whatever. And he was like uh, relegated to like a small section in the back of the newspaper or something. Right. Yes. Yep. Like sorry it... to inconvenience you. Yeah. That's the part of the movie where I'm like, Okay. I mean, I guess just, like, to further discuss injustices with the like, criminal justice system and how, like, depraved this killer was. But, yeah, it was an interesting, like, oh, okay. That was a choice. That was a choice. That um, made it seem really wild. Yeah, it sure did. Because um, the movie's wild, but it seems kind of, like, rooted in reality. Like, it could have happened, and then that happens, and you're like, all right. That's true, though. I mean, it does, like you said, it is wild, but, like, hey, this this is not that far off from the truth of like these huge life, like these huge awful world events happening. And then people, his people's history getting erased and like the entire like reputation of a man is completely destroyed when it could have perhaps been redeemed, but pesky old nine 11 had to come around. Yep. How inconvenient. How inconvenient. Um, is there anything else you want to hit on or do we want to wrap up this beautiful, beautiful episode on the Poughkeepsie tapes? Um, I think I've rambled enough. <laughs> um, so that everybody that is 
that is our thoughts on the Poughkeepsie tapes. Uh, we could probably go on for much longer, but I think this is a... <laughs> yeah, I just found another note that would definitely take me on a tangent. <laughs> so we'll wrap it up in a little package here. Um, but yeah, so this has been another episode of Watch Once Never Again. Um, sorry about it. Sorry about it, I guess. Uh, watch the Poughkeepsie tapes if you want, or don't. Like, it's fine. I think... I, I don't... I think... I would recommend, Do you recommend this. It? I would recommend this to somebody who loves found footage and likes disturbing stuff. But like, if you are just a casual horror movie watcher, don't watch this movie. Like, don't don't let someone trick you into watching this. Like, I recommend it to hardcore horror people. But if you're a casual person who's like, I don't really know, don't watch it. Like, just save yourself. Watch some clips on the internet. Yeah, I I would say it's worth watching, but definitely know that it like this is one movie that does live up to its hype. Where it does. It is as disturbing as people say. And, um, you know, proceed with caution. I, I don't think you're going to really, I don't think it's one that you need to see. It's not like a must-see movie, in my opinion. Um, like I said, I think the must-see mockumentary is probably like Mungo, which is mm-hmm. much more tame than this movie. Yes, it's just uh, sad. Yeah, it's very sad. This movie's very sad as well and then it also is very graphic so yeah. um yeah that that's what i would say you know proceed yeah. with caution if proceed you must. with caution yes yeah, you'll, you'll be it. fine if you don't see it it's not like something where it's like i can't believe you haven't seen that it's like you don't have to it's all right it's, <laughs> it's all right fucked up so um so yeah that's the poughkeepsie tapes um dax what are we talking about next week uh, I believe we're talking about we need to talk about Kevin. We are. We are going to talk about Kevin. <laughs> um, we sure are. We sure are. Um, so thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode. Um, please make sure to smash that subscribe button. Uh, leave Stop us a re- saying that. <laughs> <laughs> make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. All those reviews and subscriptions really mean a lot to us. So please make sure to do so. And make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at Wona Podcast, W-O-N-A Podcast. And then follow us on Twitter. I'm at M.B. McAndrews. And I'm at Daxie Bobbin. That's at D-A-X-E-B-A-B-E-N. That is my name. And we do have an email address. We do have do an email address. Do you want to say address. what it is? Yes, it is wonapodcast at gmail.com. Same as the Twitter handle with the gmail.com at the end. So if you want us to, if you want to tell us a story, if you want us to cover some films, email us there and let us know. We would love to hear your opinions as long as they're yeah, nice. I, I would I would specifically like to hear if anybody else uh, in the BDSM community has thoughts about this or yes. you know, thoughts about BDSM in these kinds of movies generally. I would Definitely. really like to hear that. So please send us in, send us in those messages or DM us on Twitter. Um, so thanks everyone for listening. Um, Go do something nice for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Stay traumatized. Stay traumatized, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Bye.